Welcome to the God Love Cities podcast presented by the North American Michigan Division of the New York Metro. And I'm so honored that you're joining us today. This is the podcast where we discuss with leaders the importance of understanding and reaching cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're honored to have you joining us during this episode. Let's get started. Three, two, one. Welcome to God Love Cities Podcast. My name is Donnie, and it is such an honor that all of you are out there in podcast land listening in today. You're in for a real treat. We have a special guest here, Bishop Devin Dawson, who pastors in Jamaica, Queens, New York, but he is also the superintendent of the New York Metro District of the United Pentecostal Church International. He oversees 40 plus works and over 140 ministers. Just a wonderful man of God who has lived a lifetime of service to the kingdom of God, and we're honored that he is on the podcast today. I've got a feeling that all of you out there are going to enjoy everything that he has to share. Bishop Dawson, we're excited to hear your stories. We're excited that you're going to be sharing with us some nuggets of wisdom. So welcome to the podcast, sir. My pleasure, Brother Willis, to join in this podcast. Well, we are honored that you are here as well. So everybody has a story. Everybody has a starting point, a process in life. And and a lot of times we see kind of the end result. For people may look at you and they see superintendent, they see pastor, they see success, they see all of these things. But there was a starting point to all of that. There was a process that got you from where you were at to where you're at now. And I was just wondering if you could kind of tell us a piece of that story and just kind of walk us back from the starting point to now. My starting point is very interesting. I I came originally from what I describe as the hill country, so if you want to call me a hillbilly, hill country of Jamaica, the part of Jamaica I came from, the parish of Trelawney and that particular part of the parish is called the cockpit country. Trelawney has an upper, we have upper Trelawney, lower Trelawney, lower Trelawney is on the people who visit Jamaica, they go to the tourist area on the coast. I'm, I'm from a little village, was born in a little village in that part of the country called Halster Spring. My dad was well, that's where he came from. He was a part of the, a matter of fact, the United Pentecostal Church in that area, also Spring, is one of the first UPC church in Jamaica. A matter of fact, a few years ago, I preached the 90th anniversary, and then they called me back to preach the, the 80th first and the 90th. So they're pretty close to 100 years now. That's the church my dad came from he came into the apostolic faith in 1928 wow my, mom and my dad so they are coming back from a mighty long way so we my dad had seven children i am the third of seven so my dad i would call him the first church planter in my life because he left Ulster spring and went went nine miles to a little Another village called Warsaw. That's where I know that's where I was raised, went to school. He established the church in Warsaw Trelawney. 
if you go there now, the church is still thriving after these many years. One of the most stable apostolic churches that you could find anywhere in the world is there. So I, I grew up in Warsaw, went to school there, elementary school. When I left Warsaw, after finishing my elementary school, where I think I mentioned something, God redirected my life. I went to Bible school in the city of Kingston, Caribbean Bible Institute. So that is the genesis of my, my, my ministerial um, life, which it's long. It's a, it's a very interesting story. It took me many places that I, I was totally unprepared for. But when I learned, Brother Willis, that when God called you, he does not give you a roadmap to say where he's going to take you, how he's going to get you there, what he's going to do, and what you're going to meet along the way. But what a journey it has been for us from Warsaw, Trelawney, to Guyana. And I, I haven't even touched Jamaica because I, my initiation first from Bible school I worked in many places in, we had missionaries to, the first missionary that came to Jamaica was 1947, mm. UPC missionary. I happened to work with the last missionary that was in Jamaica, Brother Paul Reynolds. And on the Brother Paul Reynolds, of course, I finished Bible school with both his father and um, um, the son, Paul. And then I, God, begin to give me direction as to what you wanted me to do for my life. I learned something very unique 40 plus years ago as it relates to ministry, planting church. I'd rather say launching your ministry because you can't be a church planter if you don't have a ministry and your ministry has to be launched someplace. Sorry. And I, I, I was able to I have a lot of stories to tell how God get me started in ministry. If you want to hear that, I'll answer those questions later on. That's so awesome. And yes, we are going to get into some of those stories. Um, you were talking about the journey and how the Lord does not always reveal all the steps in the journey to us before we start taking it. He just expects us to walk by faith into the journey that he has set before us. And your journey kind of, it went from the what we would call the foreign mission field to North America. You went from another country to New York City. What was that adjustment like? You know, this, this is a podcast called God Loves Cities um, and talking about church planning. And so what compelled you to move to New York and plant a church in New York City. I'm very, very curious uh, kind of about your journey toward church planning. All right. Um, after Bible school in Jamaica, the Lord was very good to me. I was very successful in Bible school. I had, I was at the top of the class, whatever that means. All of us were in that class. When it was finished, I was, even though I was at the top of the class, I was the only one that wasn't posted somewhere. All of my batchmates were posted that 
this church, that church, the other church, and there were no pastors. I was still working with the missionary, Brother Reynolds, at the office. And I, I, I started praying and asking God for direction. And God told me one thing then that is still that he's still using today in my life. I, I think I was at a, a little point of desperation and a little frustrated as to what am I supposed to do? The Lord told me, he said to me then, when I open the door, you go through. Didn't seem like anything to me. But two weeks after, Brother Reynolds came to me and said, Brother Dawson, in the city of Kingston, we have, and that's probably one of the roughest area in, in Kingston, they call it Renock Lodge, some of the most, you know, challenging situation you could find in that area. These people smoke all kind of weed and just, it was wild. So he came to me and said, we had a Sunday school in that area, but it died. Would you like to go there? I said, Brother Reynolds, please give me two weeks to pray and I'll, I'll pray about it. Remember now, two weeks ago, the Lord told me when I opened the door, so I got to pray and, and the only thing that God brought back to my attention was when I opened the door, you walk through. So I said, okay, I took on that challenge. Didn't have a place, went in the area, had a group of people with me. We started witnessing. I found a church, a community church, and they were having services in the morning. I asked, they said, you can come in the afternoon. And believe you me, in a few weeks, that place was bursting in the seams. A matter of fact, that area in Renock Lodge, Eastern Kingston, we started there. And I remember the first person I baptized was a 13-year-old boy. The young man that you see that is leading the prayer ministry here now in New York City, Brother Mario, that's where his parents came from. Oh, wow. My wife, my wife and I, my wife was a teacher. The school that she went, she, so, so she was teaching school. His mother was in my wife's class and many others that got saved. I have folks in this church here in New York that got saved then in East Kingston. So that was the first plant that we had. We moved from <clears throat> we moved from that rented place and we bought the first property on Oliver Road, which is where Madia would tell you from that. That's where he was running up to go to church. The little story he was telling. Yeah. In the middle of that revival, Brother Reynolds came back to me and say, Brother Dawson, we are considering um, through harvest time, which was the UPCI radio broadcast to establish a church in Barbados. And um, they wanted me to go. I said, that looks like something that was over my head. I, I understand, Brother Willis, that when God call you to do something, anybody want to take note of that? If it is something that is within your reach and your ability to do, it's probably not God. I learned that God doesn't call the qualify. I learned that God qualifies the call. So if it's something that you cannot do, it's over your pay grade, it's beyond your ability, that could be the 
greatest sign that this is God wanting you to do that. Because if it is going to be, it is going to have to be through him. So with that, I went back to my first encounter with the Lord when I opened the door. So I said, yes, we made the application to go to Barbados. It didn't work out. Application was made for Guyana. It worked out. We went to Guyana. We didn't have the first convert. So here am I in a brand new country. But God gave us whatever we needed to launch the first church, the first apostolic UPC church. There was no oneness churches there. And so we were able to do that. And we spent 17 and a half years in Guyana. By that time, we had an organization. We had a Bible school, um, <clears throat> ABI, Apostolic Bible Institute, where we train ministers. We ordained ministers. We established, when I left Guyana, we had 15 established churches. We had wow. ordained ministers. <clears throat> and um, the UPC sent another missionary there for us. We were moved to Trinidad, where we worked in Trinidad also were able to establish the organization structure in Trinidad, um, establish Bible school. So we had Bible school in Trinidad, Bible school in, in Guyana. After we left there, well, when my time was finished, I came to the United States because at around that time in 1993, our kids were getting to college age and we didn't think that it was God's will for us to send them away. So wherever they are going to be, we figure we needed to save. We can't save the world without saving our, our families. So no church planter should lose their family in the process. So and good. Your, your family shouldn't be at the expense of the kingdom of God. We can't save the world. So we, we, I had family here in New York. So it was obviously easy to come to New York. And um, when, when we got here in 1993, um, with prayer and direction, God led us to this area in Jamaica, New York. We, 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 we arrived here just a month and start looking to us where we would go. And believe you me, we found an open door at the YMCA right here across the street from where we were, the where we are right now. So our first service was held December 5th, 1993, across at the YMCA. We spent four years at the Y. We had a big gym at the Y, and God gave us revival. And you had a swimming pool, too. If you had to baptize anybody, being right there at the Y, a swimming pool, perfect. No, the swimming pool at the Y, we used to pay $100 for baptism, but that's where we baptized them. <laughs> I love it. So every time we use the pool, we have to pay for the lifeguard to sit there and watch us baptize. So it was it was exciting. And then the church across the street from the Y became available where we're at right now. That that's a big story because we had a big, big celebration marching over with all the saints coming across the street. That had to be an amazing faith-filled day for the church. So tell me about that transition going from the YMCA to your own building, all the emotions that went into it. I'm sure there was an excitement, a nervousness uh, going from a rented space to your own space. So kind of tell me what that was like. Tell me about that day. Cause that, that just had to be so filled full of faith. 
it is still it is still a story like the children of Israel going from 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 Egypt to Canaan. It's like crossing the Red Sea and coming over. We but we got the building and we totally um, refurbished it to our liking and we had a ceremony marching over. It was fantastic. I'm telling you, four years after, and you know, God has been good. And since that time, we've been able to plant in this church. We've been able to, we purchased another building on Jamaica Avenue. That building is, a, we still have it. That could see 2,500. We were able to establish the other two daughter works that we have right now in New Rochelle and in um, Valley Stream. And yeah. um, raise up several ministers that are, we probably have 17 licensed ministers here right now that that are ready for ministry okay so much to unpack here um you know as you were talking about you have daughter work pastors you have ministers in your church you obviously are very big on training the next generation for ministry and acknowledging the calling on people's lives so if somebody walks up to you and says pastor i feel a call of ministry on my life and you could tell they were sincere and you agreed with it. You felt like God agreed with it. Um, what advice would you give them? What words of wisdom uh, would you offer in a situation like that? Well, first of all, that's one of my, that's one of my, my passion and burden to work with, to make ministers. I think that's one of the things that God has really helped me to do through the years, whether it was in Jamaica, my my first encounter with ministry in Jamaica, and that is a story by itself because what I give you just a highlights of what happened. I work with a group of men in Jamaica that became pastors themselves, even though I was that young. I think I was the probably the youngest Ardian minister in Jamaica because Ardian was twenty four years of age, and um, all the places that I have been able to work. And going to Guyana, that was probably our biggest success story. We established a Bible school and we train. Training is a part of my passion. And I've seen the result of that. There are those who are pastoring churches still in Guyana, in Canada. And you know, it's it's um good churches based on the foundation so what i do for young ministers i try first of all to look at their foundation they mm -hmm. need something to stand on they need to have a good grip of the doctrine they need to know that's what's going to build their confidence in terms of getting out there and not giving up the giving up the baton and get discouraged so i love First of all, if I have anything to do with that individual, I would want to teach them what I know, to give them, I like to give them materials. I have Bible school here. I train for everything. I have tons of material here. I could take them through a class, school, a class in a few weeks and get them set up and going. I believe if you know what to do, the job is easier. Mm. there's this quote that I love that says, I would rather be prepared with no opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be 
prepare. I told somebody, I told somebody one time that who wanted to preach sitting right there in the office, and I said to the individual, what I'm trying to tell you right now, if you don't learn the first day you get out to do what you need to do, you're going to realize that's your biggest mistake. You never learn what you need to do. Principles that you need to learn. So if God begin to work on your heart and you feel, for example, in my case, Brother Willis, I didn't get a call to be a bishop or a pastor or an evangelist, you know, or a teacher. I, I just got a call to be a worker. God wanted me to do something. I said, Lord, I prepare myself to do it. So I, I'm not going to I'm not going to rebuke somebody who said, I think I'm called to be a pastor. I was I didn't get a call to say, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a bishop. So what I'm discovering right now, through the years, at different juncture, God used me in different function. So whether it's a, a superintendent function or a teaching function or a pastoral function, I think I, I, leave, I leave that up to the Lord. Wow, there's just so much wisdom in everything that you just said. I love how you talked about simply serving where you're at. There's a quote that my wife loves, and it's simply bloom where you're planted. And that's what I, I've been hearing throughout this is you have just, wherever the Lord planted you, you've just bloomed and you've served and God has elevated. So when, he said to me, when he said to me, when I opened the door, go through. So when God opens some door, I'm saying, me? But normally when God opens the door for some things, we begin to check our ability and so on. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, and that's a very great statement. He said, great doors, a door and effectual is open unto you, but there are many adversaries. If you're going to look for an open door without adversary, you're not going to find it. Well, all of this has just been so rich, Bishop, and I am so grateful for your time, and I want to be respectful of it. And so I'll wrap it up with one more question. In this current season of your life, what is the Holy Ghost speaking to you right now? The Holy Ghost is really challenging me to, for all the experiences that God has given to me, is giving me a real drive not to die with it, but to pass it on to the next generation. I have a group of people in our church that I call NGLs, the next generation leaders. We have to prepare the next generation. We have to, and that's my passion. So it's not it's not really just preaching and you know having we have to secure the future for the next generation. So we have to build the future today. We can't build the future in the future. It's too late. Uh, I, I, I don't think we should try to clone people and to make ourselves out of people. It doesn't have to be me. A lot of the pe people that work with me and I train, they're better preachers than me. I believe that the student must be better than the teacher. The thing I can tell you is that this podcast is just give me the opportunity to, to give just snippets of the journey, actually, because I had some experience as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, before I went to the mission field in Jamaica. And I'm wondering if something was wrong with my head to take on those challenges. A 20-year-old can be a pastor. 
a 20 a 24 year old can be a missionary in a country that he's never does not even understand the culture that's my experience and the church that i start today when i was 20 my brother still pastored a church in 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 east kingston jamaica wow you want to talk about longevity <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that story and inspiring us and reminding us that anybody can be used by god anybody who's willing to serve anybody who's willing to bloom where they're planted can be used by god that's what this is all about doing something for the kingdom bishop we thank you for your time we thank you for coming on the podcast we look forward to the next time you get to come on and to all of you out there listening thank you so much for your time as well god loves cities spread the word bye-bye